We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's three guys who combined to play 15 seasons in the National Football League trenches. Well, two guys. And Mackey, who didn't do sh- he just, he just sits there and looks pretty. This is the O-Line Committee. The dumb football questions episode of the O-Line Committee, where the uh, the idiot fan here, me, gets to throw dumb football questions at two former NFL offensive linemen. Oh, we got to put Jeremiah back. I was going to say, you got to move me, dude. Happen? I don't like being in the middle. Okay. Thank you. In the middle. Thank you. I don't know can't why you, that happens. He physically can't handle Keep it. Keep me in the dark in the corner. <laughs> That's yeah, let's like move. Let's move Boone over to the. Uh, he asked to play on the left side one time, famously, and got yelled at. No, let's no, I don't the, like this either. I don't let's like put this him either. On the left side. <laughs> I am your left. Nope, nope, nope. Thank you. Hey, Coach. What if I play left uh, left tackle for this game? Go, go f yourself. I, hey, Jeremiah will tell you. I tried. It was so, so hard was so to be like, hey, dude. Coach. This could not be a better move. It's easy for me. I can play next to Jeremiah. We can make this easy. What do you think, Coach? You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. As One we go practice, down, that didn't, that didn't down, work, so. down. Amazing. We don't uh, need to talk about that on this fun show, do we? We don't talk no, about no. assholes to, like that. You if, if you want, at some point, if you want we a don't. therapy session, we could maybe do it. But You let uh, me know. You guys can keep submitting, and we see them in the YouTube comment sections. We're stockpiling for future episodes. We're going to get to as many of your dumb football questions as possible. We do like three per show usually. So keep throwing them in the YouTube comment section. Click the subscribe button and the like button to help us grow this thing. And follow us on Instagram as well, uh, the O-Line Committee. So the first dumb football question actually comes from uh, your co-hosts, Jeremiah and Phil. What's it like, Alex, to escape Alcatraz? Oh, you just completed you guys. the Escape from Alcatraz triathlon. What is it like, dude? It was incredible. I'm going to tell you right now, it was incredible. So I was get following there. the online updates. With Which I can't believe. I, it, I, it tracked you in real time. And I was yeah, like, is this I was, happening right I was now? doing that too. I was Were you happy. really? As soon as he got out of the water, I was like, oh, he made it. We can, our business can continue. <laughs> okay. Our business okay, may continue. He didn't die from a shark. <laughs> I'm going to be 100% honest with you. There was a moment in the water where I was like, Jeremiah is going to be really pissed if I don't come out of this water. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's going to be a lot of guys in two weeks that are really pissed when they come back, and there's nobody there. Like, what happened, Poon? He died. He- I was just waiting for the live stream <laughs> to cut because it was like, if all, I was like, if this thing just goes dark all of a sudden, that means someone got eaten. And yeah. there's no. a good chance it's booed. So, number one, the metal is incredible, right? Like, it spins and everything. It's super sweet. Wow. But 
when I got there, put it on. there was there was people from all. I normally I'm gonna wear it. I put it back. I got six U game tonight. Put it on right now. It. Put, it, put on. it on right now. Put it on. Put it on right now. So <laughs> I, I love wearing it. Look how heavy so that thing is. Myself. It's amazing. <laughs> so I get there and there's people from all over the world. I mean Australia, Ireland, London, China, everywhere, Africa. I mean these people were so excited. They're like talking about this legendary race. I'm like, this is a legendary race? Like, oh, dude, it's incredible. You learn about it. For 42 years, the race has changed. But when we did it, they were like, the current is extremely strong. Like it's twice what it was last year and it's the highest it's ever been. Like you guys got to be careful. I was like, well, what happens if – they're like, dude, there's a river underneath the ocean, and if you get stuck in it, it just pushes you out to the bridge. Like, there's no, you're never gonna fight it. I'm like, dude, I got, you know me, Jeremiah. I'm like, okay, current, ocean current, right? Like, I don't even <laughs> see the current, dude. He's like, he's looking at me like this guy can't be for real. This is the one guy in the boat that's gonna die. Like, I got this. <laughs> the minute you jump in the water, you're like, it just got real. Like, shit got real. I'm in here with a bunch of live animals that could destroy me. And as we take off, you're on a fisherman's boat for the pre-swim. The sea lions are following the boat. And my wife's like, what's going on there? And they're like, oh, well, normally we throw them food. So they're just so trained to follow us. And my wife's like, are you serious? <laughs> Guy's like, oh, don't worry. After about 100, 200 yards, they'll stop following us. Pretty sure they will. <laughs> we're like, oh my god, dude. Yeah. We we usually throw them food out of the boat, but now we're just throwing them people. We're, th- hey. we're throwing, <laughs> throwing them humans, right? Do they know the difference? No, it was it was great though because as you're going, you're just getting smacked with waves. You're sucking in seawater. You're trying to navigate, and then at the very end, I just missed my landmark and I got stuck against the current. And I, it, dude, it got real real quick. You start to panic as people are swimming like this way past you and you're just fighting for your life to get in there but thank god i'm seven feet tall i just touched the ground i started walking in as people were literally going <laughs> past me they're like hey hey grab i'm like sorry bro this is a sme safe company i gotta get out of this one dude i was gone hey, just stand up guy quit panicking truly one of the most spiritual things because when you're running up that coast up those mountains and then like the next thing over is the coast and then it's literally hawaii you're like this is incredible like it's so fun and you're riding these bikes i think my top speed was like 45 miles an hour and you are whipping down some hills you go through the the yacht club san francisco yacht club you go through the professional golf course there's people teeing off as i'm running i was like dude this is this is hilarious. I look like an idiot. Everyone's staring at me. I'm twice the size of everyone. They're all real tiny little people. Here's this 260 pound dude that's tatted up. That's like, hey, somebody better save me if I'm about to drown. All right, like one of you better do the right thing if I start to go under. <laughs> so how, yeah, he how acts did... like he was talking. It was more like he was running. Like, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna be, hey, I'll be honest. I ran the whole thing and I felt. Great. Like, I was like, this is almost incredible. Like, though, as soon as we hit the hills, people were dying. And you know me. I'm Jeremiah. We've been legs our whole life. I'm like, oh, run steps? I could do this all day. And we had to do a 300-step sand ladder up. I was like, this is awesome. Okay, so what? So when did you get started doing triathlons? Like, what was the first? How Because you, you've done a bunch of these now. Yeah, it right? was like right before COVID. I don't know. It was like right when I, after um, after Seattle, my wife was, I think she was nervous that it I was going to lose control and just fall off the deep end. So she was like, let's get him doing something. And so she was like, come bike with me. And so I would bike with her. And then all of a sudden we started swimming. And then we did uh, Maple Grove was my first one. And then we did, I'm going to totally butcher this name. Is it Chisago? Chisago, yeah. Chisago. I did Chisago. Mm-hmm. I did Ironman Wisconsin on 9-11. I had to do that. I mean, that was, that was a must. Um, did this. 
I don't know. There's there's so many more cool ones, and now I'm Stop. kind of feeling. Stop. I know. He's I told like me. I'm, how, I'm, go check the tape. Check the tape on the last episode. What do you say? I'm my, done. This is my last one. This I'm is not my, doing it. This is the last one. I'm never doing this again. And what did I say? Uh-huh. Sure. Believe the way you framed it up was my wife wants to do it, and I'm not going to let her do it He's alone. So, so I guess <laughs> I'll so do another shit. one. <laughs> hey. <laughs> You're so full of shit. It's addicting to be around such funny, positive people like myself. Like I just, I feel like I belong into this group because we're just so outspoken and wild and crazy. And like, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Why not? This sounds torturous. It's just, I know. I'm sorry. I don't know if I am though. What, what was what was the um, the sorry the not the, not the Navy Seal thing? Like I butchered it last time too. The thing you did oh, in San Diego like, th- like three years ago. That yeah. was the 52 hours with the Navy SEALs in okay. Temecula. It and it was, <clears throat> it was awesome because you literally show up and you don't eat or drink the entire time. Like when you do it, is, it's literally like them. They're feeding you the food that they – and it's cool because they take you around the entire countryside. They shut everything off and you're literally backpacking up this mountain in the middle of the night. Like there's no off time. And then in the middle of the night, you get hit with some other things where they're like, hey, it's breakout time. And it's super fun because you're around these dudes and you get to understand their mentality. And like at one point, they had us running up the beach for four hours. And a lot of them were just talking about how sometimes you have to go past what your body wants you to do. And like, you have to learn how to just keep going and going. This dude ends up fracturing his ankle. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. They're like, buddy, we can't, <laughs> we literally can't just carry you. And then finally one of the guys is like, well, we could. So the seals are like, well, technically one of us is a medic. Yeah, sure. Wrap it up. That's what new drill. We're all going to carry max. And we were all like, all right, well, we're carrying Max. And then they put Max in the ocean with us for seven hours, and they literally lay, make you lay on your back, and you sit there and recite poems. Dude, it sounds super wicked, but it, it was the most fun because it's like 2 in the morning, and you're walking up this mountain with this Navy SEAL that's, like, telling you stories about what it's like over there and what he's done and, like, all the things they have to get through and how they learn how to push past these tough obstacles. And you're like, dude, this is so spiritual. At the same time, like everything that you've ever wanted to do. And you get to finally talk to the guys that you've always wanted to talk to. Because, Jeremiah, you know how it is. We're so ingrained with the military and the NFL that we're just around these guys. They constantly come to games. You're talking to them. They're in the locker room. And you're like, I just want to know more about you. How do you tick? How do you consistently keep going? Get punched in the face a million times and you're like, I'm ready for another one. It's like, what makes you do that? And the more you talk to them, the more you understand it. The more fun it becomes. Dude, we have different I mean, definitions of fun. Dude, just, you have to do it. I'm telling you. You would be no, like... I don't. I'm going to go play Well, ball. in order to do the Kokoro, you have to... They take you through like six hours of this... Like up and down these sand ladders. And you're carrying each other and these things. And all of a sudden, they're like, all right. Now everybody has to do the Murph. And you have to hit it within like an hour. So it was like the minute you're gassed, they're like, now it's time for the test. And they, so mm-hmm. a bunch of people like failed out. The only but sand ladder Jeremiah is interested in is like a pot bunker at a Lynx course, it sounds like. Yeah, absolutely. Like. It's the only beach I go to. <laughs> I'm all about those beaches, too. Come on. But at some point, you have to push past so much more to figure out really who you are. and like, We continue played being... in the NFL. No, what do you dude, mean? There, there's more. There's more out there. I I'm feel like good. that was I'm such... I'm good. 
Just like you, you're done, right? You're done. You're, you're, you're not You've done. There's no way you're done. All these wonderful spiritual Jeremiah, things. Jeremiah, me and your and mom are going to be biking her Colorado race every year. <laughs> I'm just probably. Right I know. In the of ride the, my mom's in the middle of ride the Rockies right now. It's a five day ride over all the mountain passes. Like she's 65 years old, just it's incredible, murdering what? it. Oh yeah, yeah. She's just crushing it right now. Crushing. She's, yeah, she's killing it. Dude, this is one of the hardest races. There, the entire Rockies in five days on yeah. your bike. Yeah, it is it. insanity. And I'm like talking to my wife, like I might have to call her. She'd do it with you. I might have to talk to her about this, she, dude. Riding those again. hills. There's never a time in your life where you are not deeper in yourself. Like, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And then all of a sudden, you get to the top, and you're like, so worth every pump. I swear to God, I almost died on that hill. There was a hill in Frisco. I was going up the mountain and I was crushing it. And this girl was like, you're doing a great job, especially right before the hardest hill. And I was like, I have no idea what the hardest hill is. And all of a sudden I made a direct right and it was straight up. And I was like, well, we see if the old man still got it or not. You should have seen me. I didn't even stand up. I was pumping. People were like, dude, I was like, got to get it. Jeremiah said, it got to come home. <laughs> gotta come home Look at this guy man i took the long way this morning on my walk with my dog and felt accomplished and then i hear this story god it's amazing man so are you so what are you so you're not done you're not done it's i don't know i don't know what i am we need a i'm gonna continue doing wild things i all i know is my you're six Brett, you're game Brett tonight Favre of uh triathlons right now yeah. well, i'm gonna retire hey, maybe i don't know to be fair don't show doug flutie doug flutie did escape from alcatraz and i heard he had to be boated in so I'm just letting you know. For anyone Coward. that thought the quarterbacks were more Coward. superior than old linemen, <laughs> I'm just telling you right now, you have no idea how strong we are. I got what you, do you think? What do you think of you guys? Uh, like, So there was the, the Clint Eastwood Escape from Alcatraz movie, and there's two two or three guys. I think it's three guys back in like the 1950s. And they, yeah. So they escaped, but they're just nowhere to be found. So, so after, what they now say that you've was, been in those waters, do you think? They tell you. you they tell you the story of it, the three guys that escaped, and they found their clothes on shore, but they never found the guys. So they which for shore? a long uh, there was like a beach, there was like a little island to the right of it. What was it, Sausalitos? They found out their clothes over yeah, yeah, over there. And so it was, they were like, the minute that that happened, they shut the entire prison down. Obviously, because people would be jumping. But what I found interesting was they said because they take you on a tour around it and they show you everything. They said that the inmates always had hot hot water. Always, because they never wanted them to get acclimated to the cold water. That way, if they did, they could just jump in and swim away, no problem. But what they always kept telling them was how strong the currents were. They said they would constantly try to get the sharks to come around to let them know, like, if you ever try to go, there's sharks in here. And the water, by the way, is super cold, which apparently it is, but we cold water trained for a long time. So the minute I jumped in, I was like, yo, bathtub, let's go. So you think they died? You think they died? No, I think they got out. I, I think, think it would so. be easy to get out. Yeah, if you if you caught the current right, you could literally just sit in the water and it would take you right to Sausalito. Middle of the night when they escaped. Hey, if you're Dark. in there for life, and can you imagine what's going on in that prison? Come on. I mean, dude, it was... When you're driving by it, you're like, dude, it just looks eerie. Could you imagine? You're on an island. There's nobody to protect you in there. Mm. That is... The, the Rock is my favorite movie, so... It's a Welcome great movie. The Rock. I love it. Dude, we should probably talk some cage. football at one point here, huh? Oh, uh, sorry, yeah, we could. Sorry, we sorry. could do that. Yeah. Okay. Dumb football question number two here. This one Hit comes me. from this one comes from Red Zone Rants on the YouTube channel. How much does crowd noise impact the offense's ability to perform and communicate properly? Ooh, it's enormous. It's enormous. Crowd noise yes. is one of the biggest home field advantages that you can have. You know, because 
has an offense, we're much more verbal than the defense. Right, everything on the offense is so much more of a verbal communication versus you see defenses all the time. They're all hand signals. They're all everything like right palms and whatnot. But like an offensive line is, especially an offensive line, a it starts with the snap count. Like the snap count, if you have to go on silent count, like you no longer have the advantage to knowing the snap count and allowing yourself to get that jump off the ball, get to your spot quicker. Like you're kind of more of an even match now with the defensive line, which they're more athletic, they're more faster, puts you at disadvantage right away. You know, and all the way to making checks at the line, right? You can have hand signals for the receivers. That's great. But if you don't tell the old lineman verbally what's happening, we're not turning around looking at you at the quarterback. We can't see what's happening. We're locked in on what's happening in front of us. It's like the more the crowd noise, it just becomes harder and harder to operate as an offense. And I think, too, with the crowd noise is the momentum. <clears throat> the minute their team starts scoring, the crowd gets worse. It's like you almost can't shut them up no matter what you're doing. So you're almost relying on your defense to, like, hey, we need a couple stops, y'all. Like, it's getting crazy. Like, I think of the times we played in Seattle, we used to wear um, hearing aids in there because it was so deafeningly loud for so long that eventually you would start to go insane in your own mind. Like, I just want to listen to somebody for a second. Like, I just – People would be talking to you and be like, I wish I could hear you so bad. What are you saying? And they got, they got a face mask in front of them and a mouth guard. And you're like, what is he trying to tell me? No idea. Got to go. Here we go. Like, I hope everybody's on the same Wait, page. And, so of course, what, nobody was. What kind was. of hearing aids were you? Were, like the, the, it was a special one. Yeah, it was. Like the tan ones that old people wear no, on the back no. of their, they're they, probably the they ones go, that wear, They're the ones that you when you sh- go shooting. Yeah, right. they're, they're like those. Like, I, I have those when I go hunting. Like you put earplugs in. They're like the big headphone, but they're smaller. Where like it drowns out loud thuds, but you can still hear people talking. You can hear it like real close things. You can hear it. So like you would lean your ear in and cap. You could hear cap screaming, and it was like my god. And at times it does get a little crazy, but I think that's the one thing that it's so out of your control that you're not trying to think about it until Jeremiah said you're on the snap count. And I never really. F- had to deal with it that much as a guard because I'm literally right next to the ball and a lot of times it was me looking back and me slapping it was actually always me so I always kind of knew the rhythm of how things were going to go it was the tackles and even more so the tight ends like the guys that were stuck way down there especially on run plays because if you're if you're there's a lot of times on pass pro you can kind of get away with it right like you can if you can be quicker out of your stance there's things you can do but in the run game it kind of looks like a wave coming off and all of a sudden everybody's off rhythm and it just becomes a big cluster especially because they start to get a better jump the minute anyone moves they're moving it's it's tricky man yeah and i mean to, to elaborate more on the silent count like there is many variations to, and this is the one advantage you have as an offense, the variations to the silent count, right? Like, I think as a fan, you look at it and you just see a guy, like, hit the guy, he had bobs and the ball snapped. But there's probably four or five different silent count variations, right? There's, we used to call it, like, uno, dos, and double, right? Like, uno, uno for a silent was you slap, head bob, 1,001, snap the ball, right? And then there was dose, which was hit. Head bob, 1,001, 1,002, snap the ball, right? So there's different variations. The double, obviously, is you snap it up really quick, get them to try and jump, and then you look again and snap it, right? So there's different variations that you give to the offense to help them. But when you're going two-minute is really when it's hard because there yeah. is no variation. It's on the quick. It is snap, head bob, ball gone, right? And that's where, as, an, as a tackle specifically, you have to try and kind of perifte the ball while also looking out there if it's some crazy edge rusher or you got a bunch of stuff like blitzes going on. Like it's just it's a lot to look at and you can put yourself behind the eight ball really quickly. You know, that's what was fascinating about the COVID season three years ago. No fans in stadiums or not enough fans to make noise. And you saw, you know, these especially the veteran quarterbacks, the Aaron Rodgers, the Matt Ryans, these guys would they'd walk up to the line of scrimmage on the road and they're getting the defense to jump 
with hard counts yep. on the road, right? It was. I mean, it's. You also saw it when, like, in the playoffs for Kansas City. That game that I, I went to Kansas City is when they had, like, 20,000 fans in the stands, and Buffalo was kind of rattled because all year they had no fans, no silent count. They That's didn't right. practice at all. There was no reason. And then 20,000 people in Kansas City Stadium is still very loud. Yes. Like, it's very loud. And, like, you could see, like, it just changed the whole rhythm of what the offense got into. But I'll end it with this for me. Nothing better than silencing a crowd. Nothing oh, for sure. better for than sure. when like they come off they, the the home team scores. They're loud. They're obnoxious. They're super loud. And you put together like a 10, 15 play drive, go down and score, and it's just deafening silence. I mean, deafening silence. That is one of the most satisfying feelings as a player on the road. In terms, real quick, in terms of like practicing, I know that sometimes you know teams will wheel in speakers to oh, practice. Yeah. Or is there any oh. way to really? Can you simulate yes. it with like big yes. enough speakers? Yes. yes. Especially they put in like the speakers in, right indoor, you. They, and it's an indoor. Like a lot yeah. of times, you're in an indoor, so it's echoing. And you know what? The cool coaches will play music, so it kind of gives you a little bit of fun rhythm. The rough coaches play strictly crowd noise. And let me and tell you something: it's not crowd noise; it's static. It is. <laughs> it is in your ear, and you're like, dude, it's not even going to sound like this or be this loud. Why are we doing this? It is hard at times, man. I'm. I'm not gonna. Don't. There's a no name. Don't. Do no. it. Oh, no. Come on. There's Coward, a couple of coaches cowards. that have... No, Come on, no. Doug Flutie. Come on, keep swimming. <laughs> keep swimming. Come on, Doug. No, I'll just leave it at that. There was the crowd noise. I mean, it's, it's so hard, man, in your own mind. And like you said, when you're trying to rely on the defense, like, please, I just need to stop. I just need to stop so I can think for a minute. I need a quick thought in my head, and it's not happening because all I hear are the fans. It's. I remember <laughs> Candlestick used to be so loud and so crazy, and it was so fun to be a part of. I will say that when you have a fan base that is, like, psychotic, like we've been talking about, like the Bills, the Chiefs are another one, like it's loud there, Seattle, old candlestick was crazy, like there's nothing more empowering than when you run on the field and you hear your home crowd go crazy and you're like, yo, it's about to go down, it is about to go down right the fuck now, and you just explode, and you're like, it's insane, and then you go to some place that's just like, yay, like, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think, and I'm not going to name it. I was just going to say Jacksonville. We played there, and we ran out. We I were like, the, dude, this I is love the poor thing. Jaguars. I think they're oh, going to have a big dude. season, but yeah, it's, they, you know. Their fan base was like, you'd be like, this is it? Oh, man, we're, we're guaranteed to win here. We got yeah. nothing against. It, it's fun, dude. I, w- I will say there are certain fan bases that are dumb and get loud at the wrong times when you're on offense. Yes. That is, is infuriating infuriating right two minute drive four minute drive you get a first down you're trying to get up on the ball get orders barked and everyone's like still cheering and that's when you see all the people that are doing the like no shut the hell up yeah. like everyone shut up like the whole side because that's really hard and you see a lot of teams jump off sides with that because they're used to this the normal cadence and everything and then you can't hear and you're trying to get off the ball like peyton manning was the best he had the indianapolis colts home teams trained so well you could hear a pin drop in Indy when Peyton played there. And then on defense, it was bananas. Yeah. Let me, let me, why. let me, because Peyton was playing prayer. there. Yeah. Right. But to be fair, a lot of it, I feel like, is because it would just kept in like a big play. And all of a sudden, they'll show the replay and everyone's still going crazy. And you're still like, hey, hey, okay, great. Big play. We got to keep going. Calm down. But it's like, so it's kind of like a natural thing. But at the same time, you're like, yeah, dude, shut up. Come on. We're working. Stop. Yeah. Now, the later in the, the later in the evening, the drunker people are, the harder it is to, you know, get them to, to be quiet. Uh, question number three here. Dumb football question number three. So Shooter McGavin chimes in here on the YouTube mm. comment section. Shooter. Shooter. Big fan of the show. Oh, so, shit. 
he has a bunch of questions about how just how does payment work in the NFL when you're a player. So I'm just going to read this. Is it direct deposit? Do you get paychecks? Is your contract amount divided by the number of games? Do you get paid for preseason games? Do you get paid extra for postseason games? There's more here, but I'll I'll stop there for a second. This is a great question. Great question. Um, all right, I'll lead you off. Want me with to tackle how I, this because I have the whole CBA memorized. Yeah, we have an agent down the show here, so we can. There's two forms because we Jeremiah and I when we played, we used to get paid differently than they get paid now. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, you only got played after your paid after your game. So you played the game, then you get paid the next week. That was it. Once the season was over, your check stopped coming. There is no more checks. And for years and years, the NFLPA, we would come constantly and be like, please, can we extend this out? Because guys would be getting such massive checks. I mean, six-figure checks every week. And it's like, guys, this is not going to last. Like, this is only for three, four months, and then it's gone. So let's not spend mm. it all. And so it's hard, though, when you are making these massive amounts of money to be like, dude, I just got to sit on all this. Like, I just earned this, and I got to do this. So it's hard to talk to young players. So... That was it. And then when you would go to the playoffs, if you had a bye week, you think you're getting paid? You're not. You're like the number one seed in the whole league. You know how much you get? A big fat nothing. Nothing. But nah. it's all kind the, of a shell game then, right? I mean, like to what you're well, saying. Well, here, here's, here's the other shell just, game. like spread it out over. Well, check this out. It gets even more interesting. You go into like the first round of the playoffs. Do you know how much money you get paid? 25 grand. Nothing. Compared to what that team makes. You make like. After taxes, you're walking away with like twelve grand for a game. You're like, so it's this like it's like a bonus on yeah, top. Pretty of much. And then the next week after that, it goes up a little bit more. And then the week after that, it should be the Super Bowl, and the winner gets a hundred, and the loser gets like forty. And that's a wrap. And that's pre-tax. And then after that, there is no more money unless you have money in your off season, which is to come back, please, and work with us. Which some guys have a hundred thousand, some guys have five hundred thousand, and if you didn't have one, you made three hundred dollars a week for being there and showing up $100 because they have a to. Day. They have to pay you something, right? Yeah. So that's but now answer. here's how the CBA works. So here's here's how it all works now. It used to be you made your entire year's salary over 17 weeks, right? Last year it turned to a 17-week season, so you made it over 18 weeks, right? Now with the CBA and the new CBA in the 2020 that got bargained, it is now an extended pay period over 36 weeks, right? So you still only get paid for your game, right? You, you make your money per game basis, right? Your whole contract is based off of per game. What they've done now is they extend it so that, at, like Boone said, in January, when the season stops, you're still getting a paycheck every couple of weeks up until basically until you get back for OTAs. They've extended all the way through May. I love it. I think it's great. Yeah, now, some great. of the older players hate it, right? The older players are like, listen, I get it. I want my money so I can stick it in my bank account and let that interest compound and make money off my money and like all of that, you know. But I think that the idea behind it is really well. Now, in the preseason, everyone makes pretty much the same amount. I think it's about like $1,200 a week is what you make in the preseason, whether you're a vet, whether you're a rookie, whatever it is, you all make the same. And that's the idea of the playoff too, right? The playoff now has become everyone's making the same because you're all playing for the same thing, right? Like no one's like a lot of guys take a huge pay cut going into the playoffs, like massive pay cuts, like Boone said. But the idea is we're all making the same playing for the same thing. It's bonuses on top of. Now, there is a ton of stuff you can put into a contract for off-season pay. There's workout incentives, like Boone said, like, hey, if you make 90% of the voluntary workouts, you make X amount of money. There's weight clauses, right? Like, hey, if which you are make, sad. That's which pathetic. are sad. Like, if you have to be paid to stay underweight, like, it's usually the really fat guys. Like, I think Orlando Brown's, like, if he hits all his weight goals this year, you make, like, an extra $1.2 million. 
just for standing on the scale and having it read a number it's supposed to read. You know, there's those type of things. There's incentives. There's, um, there's obviously uh, incentives through your play, right? Number of catches, make a Pro Bowl, number of sacks. Like those type of bonus structures can all be worked into your contract as well. So there's a lot of ways that you can get paid, but majority of everything is what's going as paragraph five in your contract, which is your salary paragraph, and that is all fully based off of how much you play. Like, and that's why you see if a guy gets fined and say he misses three games, then that's a th- three games out of 18 right so you get paid out 18 or 17 uh games now three of those paychecks are gone just gone like you don't get to see any of that right Right. so it's all based off per game basis and that's another thing too when you get fined you're not you're not in control at all the money's gone before you even see the check yeah there was a lot of times you didn't even know you got fined until you saw your check and you're like what i get fined for big minus ever much yeah you were like, dude, what did I do? I didn't even I, do anything. But I, I played on one team. My, <laughs> the Chargers still gave us paper checks. Like, I so that. I watched Philip <laughs> Rivers. Cool. I watched <laughs> Philip Rivers every two weeks get a check for a million dollars. A million dollars because yeah. he was making. I think he was making seventeen million that year. You know, so like he would, we get paid in biweekly pay periods. So he's making a million a week. So cut it in half. But every week he had a paper check in his locker that had. A million dollars on it. How and crazy it was is that to absurd. think? And then you like, go to the you just playoffs. go to a bank and be like, "Hey, cash." <laughs> no, like you had to go to a physical bank. No one's going to let you mobile deposit a yeah, million you, dollars. You can't take a screenshot of the front yeah. and the back no. and send no. that through. You your can you resign this, sir? <laughs> you, you hand that to a teller that sits there and looks at it and is like, "You want hundreds or ones?" Like, nah, just put it in the bank. Like it just nah. and then everywhere else was direct deposit. We'll let it compound. But that's what that's why it's funny because like guys that are making a million dollars every two weeks, and then you're like, all right, here we go. We're in the biggest game of our life. We're only making eight grand. Here we go, boys. Time to fight for your life. You're like, that's it's so interesting because again, like from a fan perspective, you know, let's use just like a quarterback that makes thirty million dollars or something. I think okay, that quarterback is getting paid thirty million dollars. Or maybe the better example is guys who aren't making that kind of money. Maybe it's like a, a special teams player making eight hundred thousand dollars or a million dollars. I think, well, yeah, he's getting paid that for the season. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying is, right, technically he's getting paid that for the regular season, and the NFL is making a crap ton of money off of postseason games. But this comes down Tons. to, like, this is a CBA question about Tons do the players deserve a bigger chunk of Well, pie? we've asked. We've, we've asked. asked. It's hard because who's willing, to, can't. Who's willing to strike, though? Like, you, the careers are so short, that. right? It's counted in the cap. It's counted towards our money. So basically, it's been brought up every year. And every year, we're like, hey, we want more money in the playoffs. And they're like, then you have to take less money in your salary. The only money you guys get is this 47%. You have to split it up any which way you want. But if you take more for the playoffs, then some teams get less. And so then people started going, well, how about this? How about if you don't make the playoffs, you make less. But if you do make the playoffs, you make more. And everybody was like, everybody from certain teams, and I'm not going to say which teams, were like, oh, hell no, that ain't (laughs) happening. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that's going to fly, boys. (laughs) Doug Flutie, of course, it was Doug Flutie. So I'll bring it back to this, though. This is, And this gets a little bit deeper than Jeremiah said, but it's funny how Jeremiah brought up about how the older guys don't like how they do the new checks now because they want their money and they want to compound. But remember, in the NFL, as a union, we have to always protect everyone and that was the one thing that i always understood that i felt like a lot of people didn't because they would go in there with these one-sided conceptions of how how do i get my money faster right now i'm i'll be okay i'll be fine with it it's like yeah but it's not about you it's about the 
500 guys over here that we must watch. It's our job to take care of them. They're our teammates. They're in our league with us. It's our job to make sure they get through this okay. And if we don't change it, these 500 guys might get screwed up a little bit. And then we're going to be dealing with bigger issues. And then it's not even about the money. It's about how does this affect our team. I mean, 65% of the league's on rookie deals. Mm-hmm. Like it is right, so like it's it's the top one percent that are like, yeah, well, I'm making thirty million. Of course, I want to make it as fast as I can. It's like you'll be okay. Like, I'm sure you'll be okay, buddy. I'm sure you'll have. Food <laughs> Literally, on the guys table. would sit there and be like, "I want it now," and guys would be like, "Dude, seriously, shut up." Not yeah. Not the I mean, time. I, like, I had multiple guys, rookies that showed up to OTAs broke, like, and I mean, like, made five, six hundred thousand dollars in the year before, and they had zero dollars to their name. Because they just get used to getting a check like that every week, and then it's a long time between January and September. Long, it's and then long, by the way, long nine months. When you're 29 years old, 30 years old, those checks not only do they not come during the regular season, they don't come ever because your career yes. is over. Right. I mean, Correct. it's it's a really hard lifestyle to try and preach that because you see a lot of rookies that want to run with the vets, and I mean it in off the field. Right, like you see a third round corner, a fifth round corner that wants to go hang out and party with the corner that's making a hundred million dollars. Like it's just easy to fall into that lifestyle and get used to it, and then all of a sudden you hurt yourself. Two years later, you're out of the league, and you're like, "Man, I wish I would save that money." Yeah, mm. there's probably more. I feel like there's like a part two, part three to something. We could dive stuff, deep into that. So it's, it's, it's a it's a rampant problem in the NFL. Every every major professional, every major sports program has this issue. It's good stuff, man. Well, congrats, Alex, on escaping Thank from you guys. Alcatraz. I'll yeah. let you know what I'm doing my next work. one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be on the golf course, actually. So just, yeah, uh, I'll be there just with text you. I'll us updates. Hey, when are we going golfing? Again. When are we going golfing? Are you, you golf, Alex? Are you serious? Oh, I love. But I don't have time, dude. I have too many kids. Too many There's triathlons to train. you got to give me a month's notice. Too many baseball, softball. There's too much going on, man. We're 30 now. It's got to go on the calendar. I got to send Google Calendar invites. I had to put one in yesterday to go fill my deer feeders. I literally had to put it in my calendar for my wife and then send it to my friends so they could put it in their calendar. And I was like, God, we're getting old. (laughs) It's like if it's not on the Google Google Calendar, it doesn't happen. From now on, Jeremiah, when we schedule a Zoom with a kid, I need you to send it to my wife too. So she can either (laughs) accept it or decline. I was thinking about that earlier. I was like, you know, I should probably, because I'm sick of redoing it and sending it to her. The problem is then the kids see it too. And so they're going to be like, who's Dana? Is Dana jumping on here with us? Like, no, that's Boone's wife. She handles all of his scheduling. <laughs> she has to make sure. There's so many. Hey, I literally just got done doing the mulch. I take Johnny to baseball, yeah. hockey. I've been all over, man. Hey, I'll be the first one to say, I don't run my house. I run around it. And I'm oh, I run okay around this house. Amen. Uh, I think Latrell Sprewell, uh, Sam Cassell was the first one to make that one uh, famous. And uh, mm-hmm. it still exists 20 years Later now. All right, give us a five-star rating, a positive review on, uh, or I should say give us a subscribe click and a like click on the YouTube channel. And uh, we'll see you next time for another batch of dumb football questions here on the O-Line Committee. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. 
For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.